0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two. At some point, I'm probably not going to count the episodes just because it'll be like three hundred and ninety four. And I'm like, no, I'm not counting <laughs> that number. I probably won't even remember. Um, so I'll probably end up giving them titles at some point. But welcome to Journeys. I'm your host, Haley. Hostess? hit Host? I don't know. <laughs> I think host is like gender neutral. I'm not entirely sure. Um... But I'm Haley, and I am the trans woman leading this this wonderful, new, ambitious podcast called Journeys, and today I have with me the woman I was talking about on the first episode, who has been very monumentous and pivotal in my life, and me getting to this point in my life, and even surviving to this point in my life. Her name is Carla Morris, she is a therapist, and she is my therapist, who has... Done wonders and has put up with me for quite a while. Um, how long,
1: uh, how long have we been seeing each other at this point? Oh my god, it has to be over six years. Yeah, it
0: has to be wow, six yeah, years
1: because on and off, probably six years.
0: Yeah, um, it hasn't
1: been continuous.
0: No, I have had a couple breaks where yeah. I haven't, um, come to see you for whatever reason. Um, like right now I, I, got all like, I got all uppity thinking that, Oh, I'm okay. And then I was like, well, I can stop singles therapy. It's whatever. And then I was like, Oh God, Carla, I'm dying. Help me. <laughs> um, so why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know, how you got, how you became a therapist and just, you know, a little okay. bit of basic info.
1: Um, I've been a therapist since 1998. So it's been, um, just over 20 years now. Oh, wow. And I've worked in mostly community agencies, um, like a program with foster children, programs with um, a jail setting, programs with crisis in the hospital. Um, And then I went into outpatient therapy and I decided to mostly concentrate on working with gender dysphoria. Okay. Um, That came mostly from my work with the homeless and the jailed population in Atlantic County, and I realized that in South Jersey there are, or there were, zero resources for trans people or any kind of gender non-conforming people. And this was in the early 2000s.
0: Okay. Alright, so it was the early 2000s that, is, and that's when you decided to start working?
1: That was when I really got to know some trans people in real life. and. I was the kind of cishet person who was really supportive of and um, non-bigoted against LGBT people. And I knew some gay and lesbian people, but I never really knew, that I knew of, knew a trans person who was out. And um, didn't really have any thoughts or feelings about them in particular. Didn't really know much about it. And I think I just figured like a lot of cishet people, well, you know, that's your choice. Live your life. Do what you need to do. And didn't think much more about it. But when I got to know some people, some real people, um, and I just learned what it was about. Okay. That it was a lot more than this is something that I'd like to do.
0: <laughs> like in, in those early days, was there a moment when you were like... Um- I guess, like, what was your, like, biggest revelation or whatever, or, like, one of your biggest, like, wow, I didn't know
1: that, like. I think it was when I said something like, so you want to be a girl. And the trans woman I was talking to said, no, I am a girl. I want to look like a girl.
0: Okay. And that
1: was a light bulb.
0: Gotcha. And that's when you were like, oh.
1: Oh, it's not what I thought. Yeah. You don't want to be something else. You want to be who you are. Yes. Okay. Okay, And that was, I think, something I try to translate a lot for cis people. um, Because it's so elemental. Okay. Yeah.
0: So what have you noticed is like the biggest commonality when treating trans patients? Like even from the very beginning to, to now to this day? Um,
1: That is something that's really hard to explain sometimes because there really aren't any. Mm -hmm. Everybody is so different, and everybody comes from all different places and beliefs. And so um, I wanted to just say quickly, I'm not going to give any kind of identifying information about any clients that I've seen. So I might mix up genders or just say kid or person. Um, I don't want anyone to feel especially anyone who might hear this who I'm also their therapist that I'm talking about them Mm -hmm. without their permission um, because that would be a violation of their confidentiality. I don't want to do that to anybody. So one of the most common things that I've seen across the board is shame. Shame. Yeah.
0: Okay. I can, I can relate with that. I'll tell you that much.
1: So that is a, a, a lot of what I talk about with people in therapy um, because the gender dysphoria is the part that therapy is for, mm-hmm. not the fact that someone is transgender or gender uh, variant.
0: Can you, uh, just real quick, for if there's anybody who doesn't understand what gender dysphoria is, can you define it?
1: I, I don't know what it, the exact thing is. It's how you give a code for insurance to bill mental health problems. Okay. So there's a code for what's called gender dysphoria, and that is having... Um, The experience of relating to the other gender or to a gender other than what you were assigned at birth Mm -hmm. and having some sort of distress from that, um, having some sort of impairment of functioning from that. Being trans is more of a medical problem in my opinion and in a lot of people's opinions who do this kind of work. Um, it's a medical problem that can be treated medically, hormones, oh. surgery. The dysphoria part is where mental health comes in, where a person just needs to talk about their experience, their um, how they're functioning with it, how they're doing with the changes, if they're going to change anything. I work with a lot of people who have no intention of transitioning.
0: Okay. Uh, but the but shame is, like, yeah. across the board, generally. Like, I, I know I have a lot of shame, yeah. even just about myself. And even like-
1: people who are really well-adjusted like you, really supported, really out, really, um, you know, pretty good with the fact that this is what's happening to them. Mm-hmm there can be an enormous amount of shame.
0: And where do you think that, like, that generally comes from? Because, like, it's not like when I was growing up, I was, you know, forced into any kind of gender roles. My my family essentially just kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do, like, whether or not I wanted to, you know, run outside, which was mainly, like, climb trees and stuff like that. It's not like gender roles were forced on me. So, like, I'm wondering where shame you think really comes from is that like a societal thing is that like um like especially for people like me where like stuff like that wasn't forced upon you like do you think it's something
1: like the media and culture or like I think thinking of it through a gestalt therapy lens which is what I do because I'm a gestalt therapist Mm -hmm. shame is sort of a um it's sort of a continuum between not enough support and too much support shame has the function of us all working together in society so when someone's doing something that doesn't help society we all tend to shame that you know there's laws about what you should and shouldn't do parents will usually um, discipline their kids sometimes with shame um, so that a person will then feel bad when they're doing something that's bad for the group as a whole So I suspect that's the societal part, that this is not what people are supposed to do, is change your gender. Okay. And so that, hopefully, that kind of shame will go away as time goes by. And then the other end of it is not enough support. Meaning, um, you didn't have any support as a child, even being aware of your gender issues way back then. There was, like, nothing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so often when we don't know the answer, we look to ourselves, and then say, something must be wrong with me. And so that might have been the conclusion that a lot of people came to also. Yeah. There must be something wrong with me. This is weird. Nobody else is doing this. And there's a ton of shame with that. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't even know how many other trans people are around.
0: Yeah. Even going through high school when I was struggling through this, I had nobody, like I knew Mm -hmm. nobody who was trans or even identified as any kind of non binary. Like I saw people who dressed androgynously and stuff like that sometimes, but it was nobody that really identified themselves as transgender or anything like that. So it's like mm-hmm. even then at the time it was hard for me to even accept that there were that that I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So Okay.
1: Yeah. And I think with that too is somewhat like any chronic health problem there is shame where a person doesn't want it they don't want to have to be going through it they wish that they were someone else or were not born with it or whatever and it's just shame of what is like why did this have to happen to me mm-hmm.
0: yeah i've definitely and so there's shame
1: and pain yeah yeah that would be i think across the board and it makes sense because why would they come to therapy if they weren't that upset about yeah (laughs) like i'm sure there are some people i know there's a big debate about whether you have to be dysphoric in order to be considered truly transgender like there's a whole thing about that um probably some of your other um, interviewees could talk about that more okay um i only hear about it because a lot of times people come in feeling unsupported or shamed by other trans people because they're not upset enough or whatever which is
0: bananas to me. Like, yeah. that is, like, bananas. <laughs> like, how do you shame members of your own community for not being trans enough? Right. Like, yeah. Like, don't you understand that, like, it, there's no such thing as trans enough. You're just trans. Yeah. Like...
1: And then if people are gender fluid or non-binary, there can be a lot of trouble figuring out where they fit in, because they definitely still have dysphoria. Yeah. But maybe a little bit differently, or not all the time, or maybe in different situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know there's some people that completely disregard, like, gender fluidity and, like, Mm -hmm. non-binary and stuff like that as, like, not even under the umbrella or, like, not even a thing. Like, people, some people are just like, make up your mind. And it's like, I was identifying as that for a hot minute. I was actually identifying as gender fluid, if you remember.
1: Yeah, I think you had decided to rest there for a while. And Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense for people when you know doing a whole transition is upending your whole life yes. and that is not an easy thing to even figure out how to do and sometimes there's a lot of starting and stopping mm-hmm. and so yeah i don't think how anyone's identifying needs to be where they plant that flag forever exactly yeah
0: like that's why it's that's why it's a journey you <laughs> know like everybody's story is different and that's what yeah. I like that's really important. That's a really important facet to know about this is that it's not always going to be a straight line. It's Mm -hmm. going to be like roadblocks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be different for everybody. It's not going to be the same roadblock for everybody.
1: Yeah. And some people actually feel really bad that they're not transitioning correctly. Yeah. It's taking too long or they can't figure it out or they don't feel ready or... Um, There's even an interesting phenomenon I've seen now that I've done this for so many years, that people who are a few years post-transition will start to get dysphoric again and also wonder why they don't feel shitty anymore and wonder if they're still transgender or not. Okay. Um, It's it's a little difficult to explain and wrap your head around quickly, but I'm actually going to be... Hopefully doing a training module about that at the trans conference maybe next year.
0: That was gonna be one of my other questions. It's like, what is the greatest like difficulty uh, for you? Like, mm-hmm. maybe not in relating, but like the greatest challenge for you when treating trans patients? Like what do you think is like the hardest thing for you to be able to, you know, see these patients all the time, like in terms of treating them or helping them?
1: The hardest thing for me, I think, would be that, and I think this was one of the things that made me want to be involved, was at some point, and I don't remember who it was, I had a moment of horror um, of what it might be like to deal with gender dysphoria. I felt, um, and this was through my own lens, but I felt horrified. And I thought, If somebody is feeling like that and dealing with that and that's a way that they have to live all the time I want to be there and try to make that better so I think that's the thing that called out to me was to be with people during a thing like that to see them in the way that they see themselves deeply or to help them find that because sometimes they don't even know what that is and be there with them and bring that person out to the surface no matter what the surface looks like. Okay. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Cause yeah. That, and that kind of leads into the next question on the converse side of that last depressing question that I asked, <laughs> is what is the most rewarding thing that mm-hmm. you feel for you when treating transgender patients?
1: Um, somebody said to me once that they had a therapist who just kind of like patted them on the head and sent them on their way, and they said, you're great, you're, you're transitioning, good for you. Uh-huh. And and I think I'm, like, always wary of doing that to people where I'm like, you look great, you're so pretty, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knowing that that's not, you know, that's not... It, it's probably helpful in a way, but it's not going to do anything. It's not what they need. Mm-hmm. Although it feels good to get compliments and everything. Um, but I think, for me, the most rewarding is to see people tackle all of these giant mountains in front of them and... Um, At some point you're just kind of living your normal life and seeing people get through a bunch of shit like that um, and and sort of being there to say yes look at this mountain Um, and now let's climb that you know (laughs) yeah there's no way it's not hard and for me the most rewarding part is to just be there for that okay and to trust I think I've said to you about a billion times trust your process yes and to see the process unfolding it's a privilege to be with someone for years like i have with you and i do tend to be with people for a long time and they come and go but if i have someone as a client i try to always um if i possibly can be able to see them again if they need me well you're great to start from the beginning
0: yeah (laughs) thanks no problem no god i love coming and talking (laughs) to you like it's it's amazing every time like every time there's like one of those moments where I just like sit back in my chair and I'm like crap like (laughs) whoa that was a lot um yeah you work hard I try um but you you do too and (laughs) you're an amazing phenomenal therapist and you know I had seen I think I had seen one therapist before you I think I, I told you this when we first started I had seen one therapist before you and they just didn't do much for me like they weren't they were, like, one of those, like, uh, like movie therapists where they sit back with their glass on the end of their nose and stuff <laughs> like that, and like, how does that make you feel? And I'm like...
1: I, Whenever I say we- that, I always laugh. <laughs> how do you feel about that? Yeah.
0: But with you, like, for me personally, I know that I come in here and we have a good back and forth and a good conversation, and that's what I need mm-hmm. out of a therapist. I feel like, for me, the relation is very important and you you do that very well you're a very personable mm, person like thank you.
1: I think that's extremely hard for a lot of people because I am with a person that never has seen the light of day sometimes. So I'm with this part of a person that they a lot of people <coughs> really have never told anyone like I might be maybe the first or one of the first to even know about this at all. Yeah. And that person that's their genuine self is extremely under socialized under um, under uh, conceived like they don't even know who that person is or what they want Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's I would say I guess that's another privilege is to just get to know somebody like that that almost childlike um, emerging and figuring themselves out
0: yeah cuz we've actually you and I have equated it to like being a toddler like baby Haley and then like toddler Haley and then like teenager Haley and stuff like that as like i've gone through my transition and gone through different you know phases of figuring out who i am because it really is like kind of being reborn Mm -hmm. and finding your own feet and stuff like that especially in society and
1: yeah like for sure but especially with starting hormone therapy which does a puberty on you yes it's the same thing and so you are you're you're going through puberty socially and emotionally and physically. And mm. I think that throws out a lot of people off who are, you know, not teenagers when yeah. they're transitioning. Because you just like, what is happening to my life? Yeah. And all the things that bother you when you're in puberty and all the ways that you cry and are emotionally, like, just all over the place. And then you're trying to live an adult life at the same time. It's really difficult yeah it is Uh, yeah so I think one of the things I can do too is to say well you know you're 14 years old (laughs) (laughs) yeah even if somebody is in their 40s it's like you're a 14 year old girl maybe you just need to you know have somebody be patient with you or somebody to tell you you look cute or to set some limits because sometimes people in puberty are are feeling like there's no boundaries and they might fuck everything up you know Mm -hmm. somebody to to just say settle down and go and do this thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, from a therapist perspective, what do you think is the most important, like the most important thing for your patients who are trans to really remember? Hmm. Like, even as they go through like a transition or if they're even closeted, like what do you think is the most important thing?
1: Um, that that it's okay that what is happening to them isn't their fault and it isn't bad or wrong okay it's a thing that's to be dealt with and there are a ton of ways to deal with it so mostly to be a little compassionate to yourself and to always always just wait and and be around safe people and safe people can be a little hard to come by. And then what some people call safe spaces are not. Like, there's a lot of infighting in the LGBT community. There are a lot of places that say that they're safe, but then they're not that careful with pronouns, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that my office and the place, the people who live here are pretty safe, but we I've had front desk staff misgender people and make mistakes and not know it and um i would think for a person who's struggling with this find safe places if you can but never assume you know like always be a little protective of your heart Mm -hmm. yeah
0: okay that makes sense
1: yeah self-support and support from everywhere else where you can okay yeah
0: now you see you see both cisgender people Mm -hmm. and transgender people um, other than, like, obviously, like, the gender dysphoria and, like, the transitioning and stuff like that, is there a large difference? Like, if you were tra- uh, treating a 30-year-old woman who is cisgender, um, say, heterosexual, and you were dating, or er, dating, <laughs> god, you were treating a, uh, a trans woman who is 30 years old, heterosexual, uh-huh. What would be, like, any key differences in the treatment? Do you feel like it's kind of, um, like... It's a really good question. Other than, like, the kind of transitional stuff, do you feel like they have, like, the same kind of experiences or the same kind of things that they've gone through?
1: God, that's such a great question. Um, in a lot of ways, no. Um, they would be very different. A trans woman, if she has transitioned recently has a ton of experiences being a male mm-hmm. that change how they see things and how they attack problems and how they feel about themselves. Okay. Um, and this is sweeping generalizations, <laughs> like, to definitely not everybody i would approach them both as you know 30 year old women with all the troubles that 30 year old women have okay and that doesn't change my therapy like i don't make priorities for people if the trans woman is talking to me about um like let's say she's having a hard time dealing with her boss or something you know maybe she's having some depression and anxiety um whatever it's still like clinical mental health treatment like where i would assess it, or we would talk about medication, or we would talk about coping skills, or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. That's all the same. But I think their experiences are different. And so I would want to hear about that. What is this like for you to be depressed? What is it like for you to not get along with your boss? And most of the time with trans people, the gender stuff is part of what happens to them in the world. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're not passing, or whatever. Yeah, That's just going to affect a lot of stuff to make them I don't know. Again, I'm I'm getting, like, really just in the weeds with it, but probably a little less confident, even though a lot of cisgender people have no confidence, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say they're more alike than different, but they are different. But my approach would be real similar with both of them.
0: okay. So the appro- the experiences and their life up to that point would be different, but you're... Uh, treatment of them would be similar.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because my treatment goes wherever the person is. Okay.
0: Yeah. I
1: right. don't have, like, here's how I approach this. Yeah. You know, it's it's really all over the place.
0: I don't mean to, like, I want to change the hypothetical a little bit. Like, say, okay. say the 30-year-old trans woman knew very young and transitioned very young. Mm-hmm. And so, say at four, she was already, you know, presenting female and everything like that. Okay. And had... 26 years of living as a woman, Mm -hmm. whereas the other woman was born, you know, assigned female at birth and identifies as that and has Mm -hmm. 30 years. Do you think that there's, I don't know if you've come up against anything like that, or do you think that there would be a difference in that kind of like experiences or treatment? You know, I mean, I guess still because.
1: Yeah, but it would be something to keep in mind. I never want to make the trans stuff be the most important
0: Mm -hmm. or
1: not important at all. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to assume it's not at all a part of things, and I don't want to do trans broken arm syndrome. Have you heard of that?
0: No, what's that?
1: Trans person goes to the emergency room with a broken arm, and the doctor says, well, it's because you're transgender.
0: Gotcha. Like,
1: whatever is wrong with you is because you're trans, and I don't believe that's true either okay so um someone i've never worked with someone who transitioned that young but i have worked with people who've transitioned in teenagerhood and had their surgeries and everything while still a teenager Mm -hmm. um then maybe if i saw them later uh then their life situation whatever they were in therapy for would probably not be as similar to a trans woman who was transitioning later okay she would have been way more socialized female, and that makes a big difference.
0: Okay. So I would have a different experience transitioning in 2015 at the age of 26. It was 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 26. Than somebody who transitioned at the age of 14 Yeah. in high school. Yeah. Okay.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, I wish it wasn't so. hmm <laughs> But it is damaging to a trans person to have to live uh, not out and not supported and not aware for real long. And not to say that people who decide not to transition or can't or whatever, yeah. that they're, you know, damaged and they're broken or whatever. No, that's they're, just there. They're going to do their life, and if that's best for them, then it's probably better, because some people who transition... Um, don't do well and don't have support and it's a lot to handle and there's a lot of ways it can go really really wrong mm-hmm. and so it's a really careful decision when and how and what happens
0: yeah but it's it's that person's decision and that's that's yeah. really important too because but I
1: think yeah
0: a lot of people I know a lot of people think that um one of the misconceptions also that I've come across is that if you're transitioning you're gonna get the surgeries, you're gonna get the bottom surgery, top surgery, whatever. But mm-hmm. that's not always true. Right. It's it's specific to the person.
1: I always thought that stuff was a lot more of a afterthought than people most of us people think that's like the biggest part of all this. Yeah. But it's more like you do everything and then you're like well yeah now I'm going to do that of course I'm going to do that yeah. you know what I mean? I think like it's time when you can afford it, whatever.
0: That's kind of what I did because yeah. I, like, I I set up my life pretty much like I got everything you know, settled down mm-hmm. uh, in terms of presenting and everything like that and now I'm like okay, let me focus on the surgeries and stuff yeah,
1: yeah. I mean maybe when that's more accessible for people that will be more of a A part of the should I, shouldn't I -hmm. debate. But I think a lot of people have that in their head um, way early in the process and when they first come to therapy. Should I transition or should I not? Mm -hmm. Not should I have the surgery or should I not? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I think when I started seeing you all those years ago, um, (laughs) I was adamant against transitioning, wasn't I?
1: Um, yeah, I think you were, you were thinking it wasn't going to happen and you were okay with that. You just needed to find a way to live and be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of that was letting some people close to you know, and having somewhat of an outlet for dressing and, um, just not having to hide it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause that was a big part, uh, was being closeted.
1: Yeah. But Um, I know that you really wanted to live and be happy and have a job and have a family and have life. And sometimes people contemplating transitioning can't see how that will still be possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You mentioned having a family. No. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things... I don't mean to, like, make it about me, but, like, I know patient confidentiality and stuff like that. I don't want to, you know, get into anything like that. Um, But my... uh, I don't have the money to bank, you know, my sperm. So, personally, I can't have... Uh, I, I don't have ovaries or, you know, uterus or anything like that. So, like, I don't have the money to bank, so I can't really have kids. Mm-hmm. So, my question would be, in terms of treatment, would that be different? Uh, I guess it would be a different treatment, like, just like the other things, where for a trans woman who can't have children or procreate, or even a trans man who can't, pro uh, like have children the mm-hmm. way that he would want to. You can't impregnate somebody. Yeah, yeah. Would that be different treatment or a different, like, not obviously not priority, but like for a cis woman who has like infertility. Yeah. There. Like an infertility problem.
1: I actually think those are similar, um, more similar than not, um, interestingly enough. And I think we might've been talking at one point about you going to like a, a fertility support group or something. But uh, both of us not being sure if that would be a place where you would feel like you fit. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's the same psychological, emotional plight, but it's a different physical situation. And I think a lot of cis people get hung up on the physical. Yeah. That you... How could you mourn this in the same way when you could never have them in your own uterus, you know? Yeah. Like, that would be... Probably for a lot of people who don't know much about trans people, that would seem like a really big difference. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I always forget, and that's a little bit irresponsible, too. Like, I look at you and I think, well, yeah, why can't you have kids again? Like, you know. Yeah. Oh, I forgot you don't have a uterus. (laughs) Like, that seems so disrespectful, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. But you're not the only one that has actually done that. My own girlfriend has forgotten multiple times. That I am transgender, right. like what was it? Um, we were playing with her daughter, and we were playing with Barbies, and I was just making I was just being facetious, and I made a comment I was like, I didn't get really I didn't really play with Barbies, you know, when I was growing up. And my girlfriend looks at me, she's like, "Why? <laughs> and I was like, I looked at her for a hot second, and she was just like, "Oh, oh, oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> she- <laughs> and I was like oh my and that was the first time she ever did it and I I don't know I don't know if anybody else how anybody else would react to that but I died (laughs) laughing I was cracking up and well and her uh her daughter was just like what's going (laughs) on (laughs) and it was so fun but whenever I
1: do stuff like that I do that sometimes and then I'm like Either I give you a really great compliment, or I just really pissed you off. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Generally, I go with uh, personally. I go with compliment because I'm like, oh, I'm passing that well that people just don't even like. It's 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 really a double edged sword because it's like, hey, I'm passing so well, but hey, you're also Mm -hmm. like invalidating my identity because you're forgetting who I am and what goes along with that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think if there's any other questions or if, if you had mentioned a uh, a conference that you were going to. Why don't you tell me a little bit about about that?
1: Okay, so the Trans Health Conference in Philly happens mm. every year, mm-hmm. and I've been aware of it for <laughs> every year. <laughs> and every year, I do not go. Oh. I end up being scheduled. I. I make my own schedule and I schedule my own self to work all oh my. the time and it comes up and I'm all shocked and unexpected and whatever. And I just need to really get better at that. I want to be, um, so there, there didn't used to be any trainings about gender issues. Um, and I was one of the people who was training people. Okay. <laughs> so I need to now get off my high horse and go and get the trainings that are available. Okay. You know? And so I really want to commit to being there. And then next year I would like to present there. Um, Because I do have the experience of working with trans people for a number of years now. And I think that's important to talk about what happens later. Okay. Because it's not like you just go, you do your transition and your life is like, great yeah hopefully it is yeah but some stuff can still come up and I've had a lot of people approach me post-transition who say what I'm coming to you for is not about gender stuff but I just want you to know so that you can put it in its context like it's not the most important it's not not there but it might not be what I need to talk about okay You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So just having the awareness um, of what a whole transition thing is about, even if you don't need to talk about that, Mm -hmm. is what a lot of people are looking for in a therapist. And so I want to be really well-versed in a lot of um, training that's happening now for people, because there's also really new, uh, how would I say, societal perspective on a lot of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm which is really great there's new terminology a lot of times there's more respectful ways to interact and create safety yeah and I want to make sure that I'm part of that where not just do like I always did because whatever gotcha Um, but it's a good resource for everybody. Yes,
0: yes, I think that's actually like really important because I know, like you said, there wasn't always a, there isn't a lot of resources mm-hmm. for people to get the help that they need from the person that, from a person that's actually knowledgeable. Yeah. Um. So I think that's really important, and you know, as a trans person, I really appreciate that you're you're doing that and you want to step mm-hmm. up and you know learn the best way to treat someone like me. Um, especially, I mean, I've had a, an experience that, that you know of that you kind of helped me through. Um, I was uh, engaged at one point, and the, the woman, this was before I transitioned, the woman left me and stuff, and part of it was because I was not going to transition at that point, but because I was, you know, trans, and I ended up being really drunk and really depressed. And I ended up, uh, you know, I was doing a job as an electrician in Maryland at the time and it was like two in the morning or something like that. And I ended up on the side of the road and, you know, I was contemplating suicide and I know I'm not the only, I'm not the only trans person who's considered that. Mm -hmm. Um, because of who I am. So I can imagine that that enters into your practice a lot is dealing with trans people who are suicidal.
1: I wouldn't say everyone is actively suicidal, but I think for almost every trans person that I see, the thought is there, and it's sometimes a comfort for them Mm -hmm. that, well, at least there's a way out if I don't feel like I want to cope with this anymore. And not to be cavalier about it. It's important to talk about but sometimes feeling suicidal doesn't mean someone needs to be hospitalized. Um, hospital settings are not typically the best, um, especially if you have gender issues, because they tend to sort you um, much like a jail does, according to genitals, according to how you present. And if someone's early on in their transition or they're not really out yet, they're going to be in a hospital, in a probably in a group, in a maybe even a roommate situation. It's just not the best, most healthiest place to be if you are not needing to be locked up because you're unsafe. So it's a really tricky assessment whether somebody needs a higher level of care or whether they're just saying, I don't even know what to do anymore. I, I feel like I just want the merry-go-round to stop.
0: Yeah, which I think was where I was at, where I was just like, I don't want to feel this way Yeah. anymore. And I don't want to feel this amount of shame about who I am. Yeah. And I just want it all to end.
1: So if I had known where you were... (laughs) I had no idea where you were. Yeah. You were in Maryland. I can't call the police and say she's in Maryland. Um,
0: And I didn't even know where I was, like, specifically either, because my sense of geography is, like, mm -hmm. obliterated, Mm -hmm. like...
1: If I'd known where you were, I would have called the police to go and get you that night, um, because you were drunk and you were right on the side of a road and so you were impulsive, you were distraught, you had the means, you had the intent, mm-hmm. you know. Um and that was really awful and scary and I also had to kind of let go and let you handle that. Mm-hmm. Um and I couldn't save you and that's the case all the time for me. Um I only see people once in a while and most of the other time they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And I hate to think of how much pain and anguish happens, but I know that it happens a lot, and most people don't end up ending their life. Okay, most people don't.
0: But that must be a uh, one of the another one of the challenges of being a therapist to trans yeah. people. Yeah, um, is having, and that's kind of comes with the I guess the the therapist domain is kind of having to accept that that might be a thing that. A trans person will do on their own is end Mm -hmm. their life.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of um, other co-occurring stuff. Just because you're trans doesn't mean you're not an addict or mentally ill in other ways, so yeah. Yes. It can be um, icing on the cake in a way, if you're having a bad time. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my next question was going to be, how would you deal or handle that situation? Um, Would it I mean, I, I imagine it'd be hard, but as a therapist, you also have to distance yourself, kind of emotionally. Like you, like
1: yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of support among therapists when that happens because therapists often blame themselves, and I guess anyone who cares about anyone who commits suicide blames themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think me, uh, myself, having experienced a suicide of a loved one in my life, has made that just take a much different perspective, too. That if somebody ends up doing that, um, I think I would handle it by getting support from other, like, supervisory people that I know, colleagues. I might go into my own therapy for a while to deal with it. Um, I would definitely stay connected to the community and other people who knew that person. I would know that it wasn't my fault. I would know that When someone makes that choice, um, a lot of things are happening at the same time, and often nobody could have intervened. And it's also like, um, you don't usually commit suicide over just one thing. There's Mm -hmm. usually a whole bunch of things going on in a moment like that. And I like to think that I've prevented some of those, too. Like, I have not hesitated to call the police to go get somebody Mm -hmm. to pull up. Where they are and take them to the hospital. I've done that many times.
0: Like you would have for me.
1: Yeah, which people hate, and often it ruins our therapeutic relationship. But I don't care.
0: I I don't really blame you on not caring <laughs> on that one.
1: Yeah, then it's better if you're alive and you don't like me. Yeah. In my mind.
0: I I don't know that I would have reacted with the the hatred. I'd have been like, you know what. That's fair. I
1: feel like you would have rolled with that. Yeah, I'd have been like, you know what?
0: Yeah, I can see how this is where I, I need to be. Yeah, this is. I, I trust her process. It's all right. Yeah. Um, because that's that's kind of that's kind of where I was on the side of the road in Maryland. I was like, there was a lot of factors that went into the decision of me, you know, having the means and being there and mm-hmm. making that decision, but also making the decision like to not just let that be the only answer is like, hey, maybe I should reach out first before I just do this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you did. I
0: did. It was, it was, it was a plus.
1: Yeah. Even though you didn't know where I was or you were, and I didn't know where you were and I couldn't have done anything. I believe you walked back to your hotel room. I did. Yeah, I did. So when the choice came down to it, you, you chose to live. Yes. And then I think we talked the next day or something, and I was like,
0: "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Holy shit, that sucked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at the same, on the same night, I texted uh, you. That night, I texted you, and I texted one of my friends mm-hmm. at the same time, and I was talking a little bit. Uh, I was talking to her also, who helped me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, it was yeah. good to have that you know, level of support, which we were talking about before. Mm
1: -hmm. So that's another thing that I, I do that. I'm not sure if a lot of therapists would do is I make myself really available in a lot of ways. And most of the time people don't need that, but sometimes they do. Mm -hmm.
0: Like I've never felt personally that I couldn't reach out to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've never made yourself unavailable. For me to be able to do that if I'm really in need. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's amazing. Like, I really sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate to know that if I'm ever in crisis, like, you're gonna be able or you're going to at least assess as to whether or not I'm okay.
1: Yeah, which I really have to be clear on that, that I'm not a 24 7 service. Yes. Um, If I do see someone has reached out and I can respond, I will but I'm not 911. Yes. And that would be good for me to be that on all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. But people do have ways that they can reach me and I'm glad that they do. Yes. Yeah.
0: Definitely not 24/7. But
1: yeah, like that would be ridiculous if I had to live like that. Yeah, um, that would be would crazy. Never sleep probably and, you know, so I do have to make people aware that emergency services are where they should go first, but you know, whatever, if you can't or if you want to talk to me first or if it's not that bad yet, you know, I'm, I'm there. I notice Facebook or my phone or whatever sometimes, but I don't have any notifications on. So if I'm sleeping, I'm not going to see it mm-hmm. you know. like that.
0: So anything else? Because we're going to we're going to wrap up soon. We're almost. Yeah. Oh,
1: I wanted to share a really neat experience for me um, as a cis person is when I've been seeing someone, I guess you would call it in their dead self persona, or how they're living now, and then I always invite people that they could dress just for our sessions if they like, or, um, I don't know, they can they can show up however they want to usually but I think sometimes in therapy it's nice for people to be able to be dressed because maybe they can access some of their truer self that way Mm -hmm. and I get to see them because the moment that I see somebody and it can be before hormones and everything but they just become so much more present for me Mm -hmm. and and look better and look real and look more vivid yeah. or corporeal <laughs> it's a really really cool experience and um, I think for cis people speaking for all cis people that might be a moment where they're like oh there you are mm-hmm. now I see you and that's a neat moment when I'm around somebody who's not who I know is trans who's not out th- there's just a lot missing in that interaction they're not really there yeah. And so I think it's much better when the person is really there. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be like it a feels difference. Better.
0: That would be a difference between uh treating somebody who is still closeted mm-hmm. to most people and somebody like me who's been living, you know, their their real life experience for the past 4
1: years. Yeah. There's a lot of um it just feels like like the person's not really there, mm-hmm. and then when they are, it's really heartwarming. Yeah, like oh, there you are. Yeah, I see you. They look happier. They look different. They look more like they're real. Like a real person, I guess.
0: And the presentation, like, how they hold themselves is probably different as well, like... Totally.
1: it's uh, I noticed that with you right away, your body language. Yeah. Yeah, stuff you weren't even aware of.
0: Yeah, which I, I, I always encourage you to point out That's to really me because it made me feel so much better to know, like, just the difference.
1: Yeah. The one that I always remember <coughs> is, like... Um, Haley, you just opened that door just like a girl.
0: Yes, yes, that one. And I was like, What? I, mean, girls I didn't open doors. <laughs> I was like I didn't even know there was a difference in the way. But you yeah, were like just you...
1: something about the way you moved and I was like, Oh that that just looked so you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember the
0: first time that I, I came to you was the like the introductory time. Uh, I wasn't dressed you know, as myself, mm-hmm. I was just dead self the whole time. And then, um, and then after that, uh, I got there early and I wasn't leaving my house cause I wasn't out to my family. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I got there early and I got like makeup and I got my clothes and stuff like that ready and everything. Um, and then I went in. So like, you only knew my dead self really for that one session. And that was, which
1: is so, Odd, like, I'll see pictures of you, or I remember, and, and it's just, like, a different person. It's yeah. not really you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that must be, like... Because I don't know if even I've experienced that. Like, I've experienced that with myself. Mm-hmm. But, like, in my head, I still see dead self every once in a while. And like, when I get really dysphoric, and mm-hmm. when I get, like, really, like, down on myself, I look in the mirror and I see dead self. But, like, that must be, like, a really rewarding... Like, I can't even imagine how rewarding that would be to see somebody go from, you know dead self to true self.
1: Yeah. Their whole face is different. Like, people do truly look different, but, like, it's something else. Like, something else is coming through that changes everything. And just they look happier, more relaxed, more, just more there. It's just so cool.
0: It must be. Like, oh god. Yeah. And I think that, you know what, that might be something that, like, if cis people like have the opportunity mm-hmm. like that might be an awareness thing that they could try if you know anybody in their lives mm-hmm. really uh really has somebody who is trans and is going to transition to notice that difference from before when they are them, them dead their dead selves to the difference in their presenting in their, their, just their aura,
1: I guess, Yeah.
0: when they actually become their true selves.
1: I'm sad that probably a lot of loved ones miss that because they're so wrapped up in their own, like, oh my god, like, a yeah. child or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to minimize that, that, like, kind yeah. of stuff, but it's a really big change for family members when someone is transitioning and they might miss some of the kind of neat things about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get to see those. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm almost jealous of that. Like, I, I kind of want to see it now. I want to be like, are you trans? I want to watch you.
1: <laughs> Will you bloom in front of me?
0: <laughs> Which is, might be a like, a really personal question.
1: <laughs> Will you bloom?
0: That sounds... That sounds a lot. That's so creepy. Will you bloom in Will front of bloom? me? I'm not going to word it like that. I'm going to pass on wording it <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. The people don't even realize that that is there. Mm
1: -hmm. Like that's somebody who'd been living, you know, just a half-self or a quarter-self. Yeah. And living like that and making it work, usually people are really resilient and they can live a whole life that way and find ways to make it work. And then sometimes it needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes they just need an outlet for it or they need someone else to know them and that's enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wherever they are on that, yeah, hole.
1: because I believe not everybody needs to transition, or yes. should or yes. you know must, yes, yeah,
0: I think when I honestly I think when I started seeing you and dressing regularly, that was the beginning of the end for my dead self, <laughs> like that was like the moment where I was just like,
1: yeah. This feels really good. a lot good. of people are afraid of. Like, if I do a little, I'll want more. Almost yes. Almost like an addiction. Yes.
0: Yeah. I w- I'm definitely addicted to being a woman.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, you can't, know So many people spend years thinking about everything, so taking the concrete steps can seem really like a big thing to do, but it does help you get some clarity.
0: It was very intimidating. Yeah. Uh, like, I was terrified. Like, I think I was shaking,
1: mm-hmm. pretty
0: much. Like, that first time, like, I was really, I remember yeah. being very anxious and very scared of even just, like, allowing myself to feel that way.
1: And have someone else see you and just sitting and chit-chatting about whatever, but you were being Haley. Yes. And that was different for you. It was. Yeah.
0: That difference is, the change and just the difference is very, very intimidating. hmm but for me, my journey was to continue going down and see how far the rabbit hole goes, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think, well, we could go on and on. I yeah. I think that's one of the things that therapy is important for. Just sort of temper some of that, like, you don't have to do more than you're ready for. Yes. You can do things even if you feel nervous of it. It's just fleshing all of that out together, mm-hmm. feeling like you have someone sort of, I'm hoping, someone who's got sort of an anchor on all of it, like, okay what are you thinking now? You know, that you're not just alone in your head. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Carla, that is our time. And I've had a really great discussion with you. And I really sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you coming on and showing and sharing. I think it was very important that you shared that you were my first guest and everything and shared the, the therapeutic and cis perspective, Mm. um, of treating people like me, people who are trans and, you know, even just showing awareness of what people who, if cisgender people are listening to this, things to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate, and it's really special to me that you're my first guest anyway. So I really thank you for coming on Journeys and pretty much just sharing your experience in dealing with people like me (laughs) and treating people like me.
1: I'm so honored that you asked me and I'm, I'm really flattered that I'm guest number one yeah. and definitely available if, if anybody needs to ask anything or if you want to do any follow ups for stuff people might mention or
0: Okay, so any Whenever. questions, whatever they can, you know, and I can relay them to you. Mm-hmm. Um, any questions, you can email uh, Podcast at yahoo.com. That's J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S, podcast at yahoo.com. Any questions for Carla, any questions for me, anything you'd like to hear on the show moving forward, you can contact me at that email. Um, it is solely for that purpose, so... I hope to hear from you. Uh, Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Carla, for coming and being on the show. And I think that's it. So the next episode, I am deciding between two people who I wanna ask next, either the uh, friend of mine who is the trans woman or the other friend of mine who is uh, the parent to the uh, trans person. So we'll spin the roulette wheel and we'll see who's there. Um, Join us next time. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye.
1: Goodbye.